Good morning, Orangewood. It's great to be with you all this morning. I got a question. Has anybody had joy of watching a sparrow? I know it sounds crazy, but God sent the Jakes as a sparrow. I didn't plan on telling you the story, but we sang a song about sparrows. I'm telling you my sparrow story, all right? There, there's a bird, and I, I think it's a sparrow. I'm not really up on my birds, that comes and he flies to our back porch. And we have just a uh, kind of open back porch. It's just a roof back there with a table uh, and a couple of pillars that hold up this little roof. And there's a bird that comes almost every day and he flies and he perches right up on top of a post, absolutely facing a wall and just sits there. There's no nest. It doesn't look comfortable. There's no view. He's just hanging out on the Jake's porch, checking out the wall right in front of him. I got to tell you, we have so much joy in that. Like he didn't, he didn't come for like four months. We almost got therapy for depression. Where's the sparrow? And he came back. Like, He's back. I'm not kidding. The first time he came back, I was having dinner with my elders. And we were talking about something really important. And all of a sudden he came back. And I'm like, help. He's back. I'm like, what? The Holy Spirit. I asked, we're coming. No, no, the bird. He's back. All right. Pray for my life. I'm excited when birds hang out in my porch. But God's eyes on the sparrow. And somehow God decided to let that little sparrow find a little bit of relief and rest on my porch. And it's amazing because God's eyes on this sparrow. And he lets me find rest in Jesus. And it's a whole lot better view. And it's a lot better resting there than looking at some wall. But it's just a great reminder that God loves us. So, all right, thanks for enduring my sparrow story, all right? Hey, let's turn our Bibles uh, to Philippians 1. Uh, we're going to uh, continue our, our journey. We have a, a five-week journey. It's almost an impossible journey because in five weeks, there's no way in the world we'll be able to get through an amazing book like the book of Philippians. But what God is calling us to in these five weeks is to see uh, how we can experience joy in the journey. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, which we call a book, um, he tells us that he discovered a secret. It's an amazing secret that really all of us should long, and I, I believe do long, to have. Paul found the secret of being content no matter what his circumstances were. No matter what life brought him, Paul had contentment. He, he had joy. He says, I, I found what it means to be content with having a lot of stuff. Man, I, so elusive to me. I just want more. He says, when I got nothing, even when I'm hungry, when I have absolutely zero, I find contentment. Pa, Paul has found joy. And we want to uncover that secret, don't we? I mean, seriously, how many here, not a rhetorical question, I want you to respond, how many here long for joy in the journey of life? How many here long to say, I want joy as a companion through this thing? I mean, is it not all of us? As luck would have it. Or in God's providence, guess what was delivered to me just this week? I got a book. 40 days to a joy-filled life. My brothers and sisters, it's arrived. Yes, it's right here. Hallelujah. I'm sure it's a good book, and I don't mean to disparage the book. Uh, matter of fact, I've only got to the first chapter. But I've waited 46 years for this book. 
46 years to tell me how simply after 40 little short days that I can have joy in the journey, that that I can have the joy-filled life that I've always longed for. My brothers and sisters, if I felt like this were the answer, I'd have you all have a copy today. But I think that God has for us something more. Paul found joy in Jesus. He found joy in Jesus in profound and deep ways. He found joy in the journey because he found joy with his relationship with Christ. And listen, it may sound easy. It may sound simple. It's not. We're going to look at God's word and see how do we find that secret? How do we find that joy? How do we find that relationship with Jesus that, that Paul had? So let's look to, Paul, uh, to God's word that Paul has written, inspired by the Holy Spirit in Philippians 1. Now I want you to know that I want to really give you as much of God's word as I can. Because as I preach the sermons, I realize that God's word is God's word. So every week I, I want to give you as much of it as I can. It's God's word. It's living. It's active. It's amazing. So my plan was this week to, to preach or, or to give you God's word from Philippians 1-7, where we left off last week, all the way through 30. It's listed for you in the bulletin. You can look right there. But God has another plan for us this week, and he had another plan for me this week as well. And, and I got to tell you, I'm a little bit fear and trembling standing before you. Because he said, preach one verse. Don't get confused about anything else. This is so important that I don't want you to even read anything other than one verse. So here's the deal. Go home and you got some good verses there in front of you. But in obedience to a God who's made it clear on my heart, I must preach to you, read to you one verse out of Philippians 1. One verse to try to discover the joy in the journey, the joy in Jesus That one verse that God has for us is Philippians 1, verse 21. Paul writes this. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Let's pray. Father God, I need you every moment of the day. But oh, how I need you now. You've taken my plans for where I thought we were going and you've changed them. You've done some things this week to really put me on thin ice and make me really uncomfortable. And and I don't like that. So God, I'm going to ask that you would do that which only you could do. And that is, make sense out of this one verse for every one of us, for those of us who have journeyed with you for a really long time, and for those of us who don't really know who you are. What in the world does it mean when Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ. Living means living for him, and dying is actually something that's beneficial. I need help. We need you. So would you come and speak? Speak through a preacher who wants to get this message. 
and for a congregation who needs this message. It's for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. First thing you see is the joy of living for Christ. As we begin this joy of living for Christ, I, I have a riddle for you. I'm confident you're a smart congregation. You're going to get this riddle. So here's the riddle. What is something that I'm not really sure that I have and something that I'm not really sure that you want? What is something I'm not really sure that I have and something I'm not really sure you want? The answer, the point of my sermon. Or the point of this text. I'm called here to describe something to you that I'm not sure that I myself will have. And you know me, I love describing things I know and love. I could give you great details, those things that I know and love. But today I feel that God has me describe something to you that I'm not sure I have. And he is crazy enough to have me up here and describe it to people I'm not sure really want to have it. Man, that puts us in an awkward position, doesn't it? Do you see the dilemma here? And I want you to know, I'm pretty sure that I could make this sermon and this text fairly interesting. I'm pretty sure that I could have taken Philippians 1 and and unpacked it for you. And I'm pretty sure that there could have been some nuggets that you would have said left here saying, that's an interesting nuggets. Because listen, I, I went to seminary for eight years, you know. I crammed a three-year degree into eight years. I mean, I've been doing this stuff for 10 years. I'm convinced that I have the ability, and I'm not trying to be proud. I really am not. I'm convinced I have the ability to take this text and say, there's some interesting things here. And even maybe try to give you these nuggets with a Happy Meal toy afterwards that we could all feel good about. But that's not the point I feel God's calling me to. I'm not sure I have it. I'm not sure you want it. And I'm a little bit fearful that we're going to exercise futility. Uh, Paul said these crazy words. I mean, listen, you've seen these words that we just read? I mean, let's look a little closer. I mean, Paul says, for to me, living means living for Christ. It's my purpose. It's my identity. That's my hope. That's my joy, security. I mean, my whole life's passion. That's my mission statement. I mean, that's on his bumper sticker of his car. That's on his computer. I mean, that's everywhere he goes. He's saying, for to me to live is Jesus Christ and dying is even better. You see, this is really, we're getting to the core of the joy of Paul's journey. This is where he is finding his joy. He's he's finding it in Jesus. He's finding his whole life wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He said, that's my purpose. Did you hear what it really says? I mean, Paul is saying, for me to live is to live for another. For me to live is to live for the glory of God's own son. Okay? But I panicked. I kind of panicked when I realized what this really means. I mean, I I really did. I kind of panicked because, listen, living for Christ It implies dying to yourself. I mean, living for Christ implies that there will be a death to what you were actually living for before you started living for Christ. Does that make sense? And and for most of us, that means living or dying to ourselves so that we could live for Christ. 
I mean, dying to myself? I think that's where we typically bail. I think that's where we want to hit the ejection button. I think that's where we want to have out. I mean, living for Christ, yahoo, dying to self. Mm -mm. All right. I want a religion about me. All right, I said it. I want a religion about me. I I want a savior that's about me. I want a church that's about me. I want Jesus to be all about me. I really do. I mean, is that that's like pathetic, narcissistic? I mean, can you get worse than that? But can I be honest? I want a religion that's really comfortable. You know, I, I want all the joy of being blessed by Jesus. I want all of it. And I'm telling you, the joy of being blessed by Jesus, is it better than that? I can't get over it. I'm intoxicated with the love of Jesus. I really am. I'm intoxicated with a God who would love me enough to come and die for me. I'm intoxicated with a God who will never let us go. I'm, in, I'm absolutely in love with a God who, who decides to remove my sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm in love with a God who says he's going to take someone like you and me and make us a part of his family. I'm absolutely ridiculously excited about that I could be a joint heir with Christ, that, that heaven is mine, and all that Jesus deserves is the only begotten son and the only righteous son is mine. Man, do I love the blessings of Jesus. I want them all. Bring them on. Bring them on. Just bless me, Lord Jesus. Bless me, Lord Jesus. Give me more because I love them. But I'm not sure I really want to live for Jesus. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the panic comes in. That's that intersection that God had me on this week. And I'm saying, whoa, there's something more here. You're, you're revealing some things that you, I don't want him to do. You see, to live for Christ means we must stop living for ourselves. And let's be honest, we don't want to. It's too risky. I mean, really, we might give up something we cherish too much. Some habits that deep down we kind of enjoy, right? I mean, there's stuff that, that I want to tell God. I mean, hands off, God. You can have a lot of my life. I mean, I, I, want, you to, I want you to take care and bless me. But there's really, are there things in your life that you kind of want God to leave alone? Just don't mess with those things. It's kind of like certain compartments in my house. I wish I could just put up some tape in the, in the compartment of my house of my soul. God, you're welcome here. Come on in. But don't mess over here. It's too risky. I mean, really to live for him? What would I give up? What would you give up? And we might have to receive something. To really live for Christ, we might have to receive something we don't really want. I mean, he might tell me to start loving people that aren't very lovable. He might ask me to go places I don't want to go, do things I won't want to do, give things I don't want to give. I mean, really, to live for Christ, it's Daggum risky, isn't it? And I might receive something that I don't want. 
I have said something to you over and over and over again that I never want to stop saying to you, and I think it's amazingly important, and you have to hear this. And if so, if you've been depressed so far in my sermon, listen up, because this is some really good news, okay? So you don't want to miss this. I've said this repeatedly, and I hope to, to God I'll never stop saying it. It's this. It's, it's God's grip on us that truly matters, not our grip on God. Now, let me say it again. Ultimately, I believe the good news of the gospel is what God did, not what we do. And it's God's grip on us that he, for some reason, loves sinners like us enough that Jesus would come to rescue us. And it's amazingly that God's grip on us, as we looked at last week, that he who begins the good work in us, he will be faithful to complete it. That's ultimately that matters. And I say that oftentimes because we live our lives as if it's our grip on God that's most important. Good news, it's God's grip on us. But then I started realizing, uh uh-oh, there's more to that. I got to say something else. You see, it's not, the problem is not our grip on God. The problem is our grip on ourselves. You know, we have a God who will never let us go. Forever, he's faithful. Forever, he's good. Forever, he's going to hold on to us. And that should give us the ability to let go of ourselves. <laughs> and really, I mean, that should give us the ability to say, maybe I'm holding on to stuff, even my own stuff, that's keeping me from clinging to you. God's grip on us should let us let ourselves go and realize the truth of what Paul said is that dying is even better. You see, I I always realize that, yeah, dying's better because one day I'm going to see him face to face. But I'm starting to realize what this text is also calling us to is that it's even better. The gospel on the front end of it, the front end of this is dying to self, to live for Christ. And to know him. I recently heard how a particular group of people were able to catch monkeys. Now, this is something very important to us. I'm sure we need to know this. And so when someone asks you, what'd you learn in church today? You could say, how to catch monkeys. You can't get this anywhere. This is good stuff. It's the best attempt I have at humor. But anyway, somehow... The they group of people wanted to control a monkey population, and they found out something very interesting. They found out if they had bottles that were big enough for the monkey hands to put into, and they put something very shiny into the bottle, that the monkeys will go over the bottle, they'll reach into the shiny object, and they will grab hold of it, and they will hold on. The problem is, is when their fist is clenched, or their, their fists are clenched onto the shiny objects, they can't get them out of the bottle. And you can find yourself monkeys going around with bottles on. Apparently, they're easier to collect. I don't know. Here's the kicker. I think I'm like that monkey. I have a hard time letting go of shiny things. It's the shiny things of, of the earth, of the world, of around us that we just grab onto. And we say, maybe life is here, and, and maybe worth is here, and, and maybe importance is here, and maybe satisfaction is here. It's the shiny things of this world that I just can't let go. 
C.S. Lewis describes this well in, in what is known as the weight of glory, uh, some sermons he put together. And uh, this is a, a, probably if you've been around Christianity, this is probably a quote you've heard before. But do me a favor, lean into this, because this is really good. And I believe what, what Lewis is describing is exactly what I'm wrestling with, which I know that you're wrestling with too. He says this, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. He's just saying it's amazing what God offers and maybe we're, they're too weak, we're liking shiny things. He says this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't even imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased by those shiny things. I ran a 5K race yesterday. And I did it my way. Let me tell you, I got ready for the race the night before by eating the most greasy slice of pizza or two you could find. I sent a picture of it to my coach saying, I just want you to know, this is where I'm doing at the training table. I'm eating pizza, all right? Because listen, after 10 years of student ministry, you eat pizza. You're either gonna hate it or love it. And I eat it all the time. And then something happened. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I gotta, I gotta, I got an alarm clock that's really controlled by the demonic powers of this world. I'm not kidding you. It was, I bought it before someone started messing with daylight savings time. And I don't know what was changed and I don't know how it was changed, but my clock was changed, was, was programmed to go and automatically do that daylight savings fall behind and spring forward because I could never figure it out. But for the last several years, it's got a mind of its own. And guess who fell back Friday night? I did. And it's not even Friday night. It's supposed to be Saturday. It's next week, by the way. So I wake up thinking, I got plenty of time. I'm going to you know, put a little heat on the old back you know, and, and get some things uh, all loosened up and ready for my big race. And had plenty of time. I'm reading the newspaper. It's all good. And all of a sudden, I look like, oh, my gosh, it's an hour later than I thought. I mean, I wanted to prepare, have a night. I'm running out the door looking for my shoes. I'm jamming socks in my pocket. I go and pick up the coach I'm running with. We get to the race. It's already started. I mean, I'm running past the starting line. It's four minutes and 39 seconds into the race. What a moron. I want you to know I didn't come in last. I may have been close. I did not come in last how I live my life. I want to run a race. I want to be a runner, but I want to eat pizza. I'll probably show up late. The race will probably already be going on, but I want to catch up. Do I really want to be a runner? No, I, I, not, not enough to let go of the things that would make me a runner. Do I, do, I, do I really, really want to live for Christ and let go of the things that are shiny? You know, the truth is, is I, I love mud pies. I mean, I, I really do. I love mud pies. I mean, Lewis says that, 
you know, that we could be like a, a child in a slum who is choosing mud pies because he can't even picture what a holiday at the beach would be like, a holiday at the sea. That's not me. I could picture what a holiday at the sea could be like. I love holidays at the sea. And I think what it's saying is basically this. I mean, it's, it's walking with Jesus. I mean, it, it's in fellowship with God. I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? It's infinite joy that God offers us. And I know it, and I love it, and I want it. But the truth is, I love mud pies. Can't get over them. They're great. Yeah, they rot your teeth. Yeah, they're filled with calories. Sure, they stop your heart. Of course, they're going to kill you, but they're good. They taste so good. They look so good. I just can't get over mud pies. I'm praying that God will help me let go of shiny things in my life. Because you know what I'm realizing? They got more of a grip on me than I got on them. And I think the only way that I'm going to let go is if I could see the beauty of Christ a little bit clearer. I mean, it's close, but because I'm just like those crazy monkeys that I just don't let go. I'm asking God to help me lose my appetite for, for mud pies. But somehow I just can't stop eating them. I don't know about you, but this whole week, I mean, I mean, like, really, God? Can I just preach a little bit more about Philippians 1? Really, God? You want me to stand up in front of your people and say that living is really living for Christ? You want me to really say that we're to die to ourselves? You want me to really tell people that they're supposed to let go of the shiny things that are killing them? You want me to tell them to stop eating, stop eating mud pies? Are you crazy? We're crazy about them. You're going to call us to die to ourselves? To find our, our joy in Jesus alone? To find our identity in Jesus alone? To find our hope in Jesus alone? To find that he's enough? I want 40 days. I want this. Come on, give me 40 days of right thinking. This looks like a good book in a couple of pages, and I'm there. The only hope I have is that God finishes what he starts. You hear me? The only hope I have is that God finishes what he starts. And my hope is in him. It's not in me. <laughs> I'm eating mud pies. But there's something deep inside of me that wants to die to myself. There's something deep inside of me that wants me to live for Christ. There's something deep inside of me that says, let go of shiny things. There's something deep inside of me that says, stop eating mud pies. Because there's something greater in me that is Christ Jesus that will make that happen. See, I believe the gospel is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. I think it's the power of God to make those who are dead alive. I think it's the power of God who makes those who love shiny mud pies live for Christ. There will be a day, my brothers and sisters, if you are his, that you will live for Christ. 
There's a day coming because he always completes what he starts. I just want it to be sooner than when my heart stops beating. And I'm not sure if it will. I sure hope so. So I'm asking him to come and finish what he began. You see, I, I need to repent and tell him that I'm in love with shiny things. He knows it. I need to repent and tell him that I love mud pies. He knows it. And I need him to press Jesus a little bit closer to my heart and say, he's even better. God help me to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let us pray. God, I pray that you will forgive the hypocrite that stands in front of this church who can uh, who wants to have a holiday at the sea but who's satisfied with mud pies who sees shiny things and reaches out for them and doesn't have often the strength to let them go and God, the truth is, is I, sh- I should know better. The truth is, is we should know better. We got you. What's the matter with us? It's just that we are afraid. We're afraid that living for you means dying to ourselves. And we just might lose something that we cherish. You might ask us something to do that we loathe, but that's not who you are, and that's not what you'll do. Jesus, you've come to give us life and life abundantly, and Paul found this amazing secret that if he finally let go of the shiny things, and he finally stopped eating mud pies, and I know that Romans 7 says he still hung on to them and he still ate them, But he found contentment and he found joy. I want to find that. And I ask that you would bring that to my brothers and sisters too. All for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand with us.